length without strength is a problem. So they're getting more range of motion, but there's no change in strength is, is not a good thing. Hey, this is More Than Velocity. I'm Bart Pear here with Ryan Croton and Jordan Oseguera. And today we're talking about velocity programs. How do you know if you're ready for a program? Uh, you know, there's a lot that, that's into, that goes into it. Uh, we actually have a blog post um, on the armcare.com site that gives you some general guidelines, a general assessment of if you're ready or not. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll just say right off the bat, and we'll probably mention it, mention it more as we go through this, but the Arm Care app goes into a lot more detail, a lot more specifics about what it takes um, to be ready for a velocity program. Uh, it actually tells you if you're ready um, in the app, but if you're, um, if you're not using the app yet, um, this is definitely um, going to be worthwhile for you to understand what it really takes to not only not get injured doing it, but get the best results, um, you know, from the velocity program that you choose to do. So what we're going to do, um, we're probably not going to go point by point by point from the blog post. You can definitely go check it out. But um, but we're going to talk about a few key ones that maybe people don't understand or need a little more detail about And uh, you know, as we go through this. So Ryan, um, I'm going to let you start it off. Uh, what, um, what are some things you need to be ready for a velocity program? Yeah, so... You know, number one thing, I just kind of want to preface, there's been one research study that I've ever read in the history of research um, that athletes actually got injured in the study, and it was a weighted ball study. And uh, in in the findings, um, they had two athletes that required surgery, and elbow surgery, and the issue, I believe was that the athletes were not physically mature enough. So they were, you know, adolescents younger um, than 17 years old. And, you know, during this time period, like I, I think age is a big factor um, for when you want them to uh, participate. Um, you know, some people, they use plyo care balls that are thrown at slower velocities, but these running guns, they have to be careful about. And we have to know that our athletes are going through a peak height velocity stage. That means the rate of growth is super high, um, the highest at any point of our lifetime between the ages of 12 and 15 for, uh, for most kids. And, uh, you know, the bones are growing faster than the ligaments and the tendons. And so <clears throat> if you think of a bridge and the two pieces of land are sliding apart. You're putting a lot of stress and strain uh, on those tissues. And then you're adding these high velocity movements um, that's beyond what you're doing on a mound. And it could be a recipe for disaster if, if we don't account for physical maturity. That, that raises a good point. So what you're saying is maybe someone looked at that research and decided weighted balls were bad. And you're saying that's not the conclusion there. It's that you have to be prepared. You have to be ready. You have to understand physiologically if you can handle a weighted ball program and especially an aggressive one. Um, obviously there's different levels of, of weighted ball and plyo ball work. Correct. Yep. That's exactly right. 
Cool. Jordan, what's uh, what's your initial take on what it takes to be ready for a velocity program? So just like with anything, there's there's a time and a place. Nothing nothing is right for everyone at this exact moment, but there will be a time where it is the right it's the time to cross that bridge, to use the bridge analogy. Um, even to preface this, you know, there was a he was nine years old. I talked to his dad probably about two months ago. And over the course of the last three months, he spent well over five grand on a personal trainer to teach his kid Olympic lifting and to do all these things. His kid's nine, you know, and the only thing that's happened is his kid has a bad back. His, his back hurts all of a sudden and his shoulder hurts and he's actually throwing slower. Um, so for that kid, Olympic lifting is not the right bridge to cross at this point in time. You know, maybe some nine year olds are ready, but you know, it's just like anything. There's still a lot of skeletal maturity going on not the time and place. And it's the same with weighted balls. You know, it's not the time and place for everyone. Not every program has a, you know, kind of a built in, you know, ramping up phase. Some of them are just right out of the gates. We're going to start making, you know, a large amount of throws at a high velocity. And, you know, this is kind of also my, my viewpoint, but I'm also going to preface this right now with a question to Ryan as well. Um, Everyone talks about the heavier balls being less stress on the arm, which is true. They do have less stress, but is there an increased risk because of the, the higher time on tension? So even if it's, you know, 10 Newton meters less five or 20 Newton meters less, if it's taking them from full layback to ball release, an extra, you know, X amount of, you know, time in seconds, that extra time on tension is that dangerous. You know, you gave the analogy of the of the land sliding apart on the bridge. Is that more dangerous even with less stress on the arm, or do we not know that? Yeah, I mean, intuitively, when you think about it, if you're using a heavier implement, your arm isn't accelerating as, as much. And the, the, the technical formula for force is force equals mass times acceleration. So if we're driving down acceleration we're lowering force. And when we look at time under tension, we're essentially giving a slower rate of the rise in force. So from a stress standpoint, we can consider that less. You know, you, you don't have the same rate of force development in terms of the force over the time applied. Um, but I think the real issue with the weighted ball work, and, and this is kind of coming around a little bit more full, full circle about what we offer, is that it expands range of motion, but it doesn't improve arm strength from what I've seen. There's been one study to show that actual there's an actual um, no change in strength of the arm of the rotator cuff, um, but it happened with an increase in length. So you got to think we talk about, you know, um, length without strength is a problem. So they're getting more range of motion, but there's no change in strength is, is not a good thing. Um, and it gets even worse if your programming is a problem using these things and strength drives downward. It's actually fatiguing. And so, you know, on these weighted ball programs right now, there's really no knowledge if they're not testing strength routinely. When we were in professional baseball, we saw a lot of injuries uh, happening when the athlete, not during, not usually during the training, um, but in the season. You know, we had a bunch of surgical cases um, from the athletes that participated in our enhancement programs, and we got smarter. Um, uh, Jordan, 
uh, myself and our rehabilitation coordinator came together and said, you know, we have to test these guys routinely in the week to understand where we need to adjust our throwing programs for them. Because if, again, the length is occurring without strength, they're going to be at greater risk of injury. So that, that's a good point of, of what some weighted ball programs are doing and, uh, and what they're, they're missing out. Um, and, and it all comes back to point six in this assessment is that you have a baseline of strength to start with. You can't go and be weak and imbalanced and say, all right, I'm going to start, I'm going to do a velocity program and it's going to solve all my problems because most likely it's going to create more problems um, for you. And you're actually not, your velocity is probably not going to go up very much either um, as you've taken on all this additional risk. So you need a baseline of strength um, already established. Um, we say you need to be throwing consistently for at least six weeks as part of that. Also says you're not in season. Um, you know, is, is that common for people to be taking, you know, doing velocity programs and the, you know, and I know kids play, you know, 10 months out of the year these days, but, um, you know, what, what's your take on that? Throwing in, doing a velocity program in season. Is that a big issue? Go for it, Jordan. So, yeah, I mean, you know, tell me if, if you disagree or if you've ever seen research that disagrees with the statement I'm about to make, but throwing is a breaking down process. It's not a building up process. So what I'm saying on that is throwing, in a sense, will build endurance, but it's going to cost you some strength because very few people, if they're not monitoring and regulating what they're doing, if all they did was throw and do their general regular start of the run-of-the-mill run season, they're going to lose arm strength throughout the course of a season. Would you, would you agree or do you have any, anything that could disagree with me on that? Uh, no, no. Uh, I think there's been overwhelming in, uh, research to show that strength declines with, with workload accumulation. So I agree with you. So I preface that, you know, I'm not as bright as Ryan. I pretend to be. But the big thing it is that I'm going with on that is if you're doing, if you're doubling down on a breaking down process in season, you're setting yourself up for failure. Um, I've seen it firsthand at the college level. I've seen it firsthand at the pro level. I've seen it firsthand at the high school level. And, you know, it's a tough thing to, to buy into going, okay, I'm going to continue doing this in season when you're getting your high intensity work in game or even in a bullpen, or you could get it in a long toss session. And then they're adding in the high intensity weight of ball work with it. So you don't want to double down on a breakdown process because it's going to take you so much extra work just to be able to break even on that and get the gas tank back to even three quarters. So long story short, in season, really rough, very hard to do. For every one guy that's going to be able to handle that workload, you're going to find 50 plus that can't. Mm -hmm. So how do you maintain your strength in season? You want to hop on that one, Ryan? I know you're you're more yeah. of a strength background. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, maintaining strength is a process of, we call it periodization. It's a, it's a big word in terms of a, a, a strength and conditioning plan. So there has to be instances in the training where you have very high volume, high intensity work, which is fatiguing. And then you have also... Uh, lower volume, lower intensity work, and they kind of work like a wave pattern. If you're trying to push the boundaries all the time um, and do a lot of fatiguing work, it's going to impact 
your throwing. And when you do your strength training, this is a, a huge common issue that I see, you know, my experience in professional baseball all the way down to the youth level is that there's a preoccupation on endurance and there's less of an emphasis on strength and power for the throwing arm, for the rotator cuff, um, even for the scapular stabilizers. And, uh, you know, you have to you have to have some training sessions where you're holding higher intensity uh, contractions. You're doing isometrics, which is recruiting muscles at a really high level, but there's not a lot of change in movement. So I might do an internal rotation. And for those of you who are watching, you'll be able to understand what's what's going on. But I might rotate my arm forward and I got band resistance behind me and I'm just holding that. And it's heavier band resistance. And it builds strength and endurance, actually, in, in that particular pattern. And then I might take the same exercise, this internal rotation, and go rapidly back and forth. You know, and these rapid ballistic movements, they build power. And so our training to, to maintain strength, it's got to be multidimensional, just as they've shown there. Here, here, here's a, just, I know it's not fully on the topic, but I think it has, has to do a little bit with what we're talking about. You know, you're showing kind of holding that end range. Now we're building an isometric strength in there as well, which is extremely safe to do. And you can add a little bit of resistance to it. And then you're showing that ballistic, but how much do you think a player should be focusing on an eccentric movement in those aspects? Because I, I personally think eccentrics, while they suck to do, I've noticed a large increase in my player's durability the more I program in eccentric work. Yeah, yeah. So I had there, there's a, a blog that we have uh, on uh, – the website that talks about eccentric training, but I think it's incredibly important to building uh, strength and length at the same time. And uh, the longer we, we have these components of muscles called fascicles, um, and these fascicles, they basically, uh, they, they encase a collection of, of muscle fibers, and what they need to do is they need to create length and if they do that, they increase speed of contraction for a muscle group. And so the eccentrics, I think, are really important to improving of uh, uh, throwing arm velocity. And the other thing is, you know, our eccentric contractions, these the, the lengthening contractions are deceleration based. And most of our injuries um, are deceleration related, you know, that we can't slow something down. So that, that to me is a, a really important feature of training. And that's kind of where you go into those high-intensity days. We need to have them. Cool. So a few other points in here I'd like you guys to, to talk on. Obviously, um, you know, if you've had surgery, that's a, that's a big red flag. If you're dealing with arm pain right now, um, you know, th that's an issue. One I want to talk about is just we've got in here number ten. You eat and sleep well, and I feel like you know this is something that's just yeah yeah yeah. You know it's given lip service to, and uh, and I'm good, but most people aren't aren't good in this. Is that your experience? I mean, I I think a lot of young athletes they are distracted. Um, and so, you know, they're on their phones or in their iPads constantly, you know, and this is happening at a really young age, um, you know, like in eight year olds, you know, kids are on their iPads from morning till night and this blue light, 
affects their ability to sleep. And, and when we sleep, um, we increase growth hormone. And Jordan said it best is like throwing can be a breakdown process. And that, that is what goes on a lot with these high intensity weighted ball programs. And so if they're not getting adequate sleep, they're not sleeping, especially by 10 o'clock, um, we, we get our greatest growth hormone between the hours of 10 and, and uh, 2 in the morning. And so that is going to help them rebuild muscle tissue. And uh, if they don't have that, they're going to lessen their ability to recover from these throwing bouts, um, could expose them to greater risks. And then when you come to nutrition, you know, a lot of a lot of these athletes, I'm just going to keep it quite simple, is I don't see them eating enough vegetables and fruit. Um, I don't see people eating enough in general. Yeah. So, you know, these are, these are so, they, they have micronutrients that are so important and essential vitamins, you know, um, and they also are antioxidants. So, you know, you have this oxidative stress cells creates some of this chemical stress when you have some of this tissue break breakdown that's occurring from these throwing bouts and you need to lower the throttle of this chemical uh, stress that's occurring so that the tissues, they bounce back even faster, you know? And so if these nutritional elements aren't met, there's not enough anti-inflammatory elements in the diet, um, the athlete may prolong their inflammation cycle. And you kind of think like if you're throwing in an inflamed state, um, you, you know, you're feeling a lot of soreness and it's taking you a while to get your arm to feel well when you're throwing. Um, that's not a good thing. Yeah, so. just to give a little context on that, you know, I gave, I know this isn't necessarily pertaining to weighted balls in general, but one of my minor leaguers that I work with, you know, I, I check his check-in on, on my coach's portal. You know, he's a guy that I keep in good contact with. He had pitched the night before. And all of a sudden, you know, I check his arm pain. He says he's at a three out of 10 and backside shoulder is fired up like crazy. So I shoot him a text. I say, Hey man, just want to check in. How's everything going? He goes, yeah, I'm just not recovering. Like I'm beat up, you know? So then I start digging. I start talking to him a little bit more. So you usually don't recover this poorly, you know? So we dig a little deeper. Turns out they've had, you know, two big, long, uh, away stands in a row and when you're in the minor leagues, you don't necessarily get the best options for food. So he'd been eating a ton of McDonald's, you know, a ton of fast food, really high inflammatory foods. So one of the things we had to adjust, and this was a few months back, we had to adjust like you need to start bringing with you. I don't care what it is. If it's food that, yeah, anything you can do to lower that inflammation, if you got to go buy, you know, a week's worth of spinach and, you know, keep it in your, in your, uh, in your fridge, have the whatever the Amazon groceries go deliver you groceries to the hotel, like get your stuff delivered, make sure you're taking care of your nutrition to lower that inflammation. Because what's in the clubhouse, especially on the visiting side is not necessarily made for you to be successful. And obviously, you know, he's, he's gone through, he's adjusted those things. He's recovering better. Didn't have an issue on a homestand, but it doesn't take much to really, you know, have something land on that inflammation and just skyrocket through your system. And, you know, when, you know, when you're a high school kid, you can borderline eat packing peanuts and you're going to find a way to turn it into energy. But as you get older, it gets so much harder to keep track of that nutrition, you know? And, you know, it, it, it's insane to me that 
the pro atmosphere, food is available, but it is probably some of the worst food you can find. And then in high school, the people think they're eating, but then when they actually write it down, they're barely breaking even on their basal metabolic rate, not even to mention what it is they're doing from weight training, you know, doing the arm care system, their sprint work, throwing, you know, you know, Bart's out there on the coast and, you know, you get a kid out there surfing in the, in the, those two inch choppers they have out in Florida, you know, not quite like the West coast. You got a kid burning 800 calories in 40 minutes out there, you know? Um, so it's, you know, things like that. They just don't realize how much energy they use on a day to day basis. And then when they write down what they're putting in the system, they're not even breaking even. So long story short, coming back to a high intensity weight ball program, you know, we had guys doing it with heart rate monitors and you start going through how much, how many calories they're burning in a 30 minute weight of ball session. And it's, it's intense. It's up there and they're not even breaking even from the weight of ball session. So how do you expect them to recover and stay healthy if they don't put nutrition as a number one priority? Mm-hmm. End of soapbox. <laughs> I, I love it though. I mean, I, I, I mean, I've got kids who are teenagers and they have no idea how much effort they'll go you know, practice all day and then come back and go skateboarding and then go surfing. And they feel like they, they did nothing that day. I'm like, you, you're not eating. Yeah. You know, you need, yeah. So high school kids need to be eating more. And if you're ordering that, this equality is, is a huge, huge indicator and obviously sleep, um, for recovery as well. Um, all right. So I, I think that's awesome. I think anybody who, um, is, is, Considering a velocity program at all, should at least check out uh, the blog post. Obviously, if you have the Arm Care app, it'll tell you, you know, right in the app um, if you're if you're ready for it. Uh, before we sum this up, um, any other points in there you you, you want to add a little more detail to? Yeah, I mean, for for me, I, I just want to stress it again. You know, please utilize our app if you're on these uh, these velocity programs because. You just don't know if you're training yourself into muscular imbalance. You know, you want to do these scans. You don't want to have length without strength. And we have, you know, certain metrics that we utilize to explain to you, you know, where you need to be with specific training and throwing and and allow yourself to have a good conversation with your coaches um, in terms of having program modification because, it is not worth it if you go through all this, all the training, and you end up getting hurt. You know that you, you might as well have eaten a box of jelly donuts because that's not the goal of these training programs. We got to make you incredibly competitive. So that's the end of my soapbox. <laughs> Jordan, anything else? Yeah, just to preface, you know, we are not anti-weighted ball in yep. any way. You know, I have run. I don't know how many hundreds of players through weighted ball systems. Um, I'm all for them when the time is right. Yep. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's wrap this up. Check out the blog post. And uh, until next time.